0: Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, as we gather around your word right now, we ask that you will teach us. Will you open up our hearts and our minds to you? Will you give us that word of comfort, that word of challenge that we need to hear this day? Lord Jesus, by your spirit, come and be present here in a special way as we read and seek to understand your word. And may the words of my mouth and all of the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight and for your glory. Amen. So Christmas is a wonderful time of year. It is the best. It is full of lights and laughter and family and friends. But it's also a season that initiates a great disruption in our world and in our lives. Because of Christmas, because of the birth of Jesus the King, everything changes for us. It changes our world and it changes our lives. I hope that your Christmas was just the best. Ours at our home was busy and noisy with kids and grandkids, 10 people all together at our house at one time during the season. There was always somebody crying, always something spilling, always somebody with a diaper uh, that need to be changed. Our dogs were being tormented for that entire time. (laughs) And there's nothing better then seeing Christmas through the eyes of children. It is magical and warm and full of wonder. And they have now all gone home. It is, oh, it is so quiet around our house right now. Once again, you know, that silent night that we always sing about and pray for, we now have that wonderful silent night again. I know that Christmas can also be a tough time, a sad time for us because we remember those people who are no longer with us. And that makes the season hard. And sometimes the Christmas season is tough because of the family members who are still around. You know those people. They're in every family. But Christmas is a great time of year. Christmas proclaims the very best news. Here's the way the prophet Isaiah put it in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The Christmas story that we have been hearing throughout Advent and through the Christmas season has been an amazing story. Angelic visitation, angel choirs, shepherds, manger scenes, wise men. Christmas has been a joyous and amazing time. But there is a flip side to the Christmas story. The story turns in a frightening and disruptive and tragic way. And that's our text for this morning. If you have your Bibles, you might turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 23. Matthew chapter 2. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. "'Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother,' the angel said. "'Stay there until I tell you to return, "'because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him.'" That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, "'I called my son out of Egypt.'" Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother, But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in the town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet said, he'll be called a Nazarene. The Holy Family. Jesus and Mary and Joseph are on the run from King Herod, and they flee to Egypt. The Holy Family is the focus of this ruthless, narcissistic, paranoid, power-grabbing political leader. The Magi had told Herod these words, Where is this newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Those words, magi to Herod, became the death sentence for Jesus. A newborn king, no person disrupts the rule of Herod. No person threatens Herod's throne. Herod sets out to kill Jesus. The holy family facing the might of Herod and the Roman Empire. The the holy family has no power. They are weak, no voice, no recourse. We know how frustrating it is to be on the wrong side of power. Sometimes we know how frightening it is to be on the wrong side of power. Weak, no voice, no recourse an insurance company, the court system, the IRS, the DMV, ICE. Joseph does whatever is necessary to protect his family, his wife, his newborn son, Jesus. We do the same. Whatever it takes, we do to protect our family. The Holy Family, following the warning from the angel to Joseph, become refugees fleeing to Egypt. At the same time, power-hungry Herod, realizing that he has been outwitted, double-crossed by the Magi, is furious. So to be sure that this newborn king is not a threat to him, to his power, Herod orders the death of all the baby boys under the age of two, in Bethlehem. Imagine the horror of the slaughter. We live too close to that horror. Sandy Hook, Las Vegas, Charleston, Sutherland Springs, and more. Jesus was born into a world that kills children to protect the power of tyrants. This is a hard Christmas story. Baby born in Bethlehem, angels, shepherds, magi, and Herod seizing and holding on to power any way necessary, ego driven, paranoia, fury, the senseless murder of little boys a holy family now fleeing for their lives to Egypt, a foreign country living as refugees far from home, far from the rest of their family. This is the tale of two kings, Herod and Jesus, a dragon and a lamb, a tyrant and the prince of peace. One blogging pastor put it this way, salvation comes through a vulnerable, marginalized poor child over and against the coercive, vindictive, and politically power leader. King Herod ruled over the land of Israel for 37 years. He clawed his way into that post. He was put in that position and given the title king because he wanted the title king because of his political skill winning over the favor of Rome. He was known as a great builder. He built the fortress in Masada. He built the seaport city of Caesarea. He built the temple, the second temple in Jerusalem. He heavily taxed the people of Israel to fund these projects. And he was a horrible and ruthless and cruel leader. He ruled with tyrannical power and with fury. He removed any opposition to his reign. He killed his father-in-law. He killed several of his ten wives. He murdered two of his own sons. Jesus was a very different king. While his earthly life was intertwined with the politics of that day, Jesus lived a very distinctive life. No palace, no army, no crown, no throne. The prophet Isaiah describes the coming king this way. Isaiah chapter 40. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. (laughs) He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Jesus was a completely different kind of king. His kingdom is an upside-down kingdom to our way of thinking. Born in a stable in the family's hometown forced to pay taxes there, lived as a refugee in Egypt under the threat of death until King Herod died. He refused political power in one of his three temptations at the beginning of his ministry. He challenged the religious institutions and teachings of that day. He ministered to and welcomed the weak, the sick, the marginalized, the outcast. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, the mourners, the humble, the merciful, those who hunger and thirst for justice, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. He said that being like a child is a way that you will be great in my kingdom. When his disciples were vying to get close to Jesus, to be his closest, his best disciples, Jesus said, Typical leaders in this world will vie for power and authority. They will demonstrate their upper hand. They will demonstrate their privilege, but not so with you. Not so with you. You are to be servants to each other. Jesus, in the last week of his earthly life, rode into Jerusalem. He was proclaimed king by the people, but he rode into Jerusalem, not on a war horse, but on a donkey. The prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament wrote, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey. On Monday, Thursday, as Jesus gathered his disciples together, for his last supper during the Passover time. He stooped before his closest followers and washed their feet with his hands using a towel and a basin. He was put to death through the political uh, maneuvers of religious authorities working with the Roman Empire. In mockery, a sign was placed on his cross. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. It was supposed to be a cruel joke, but it is true. This Jesus born in a manger, died on a cross and rose again. The victory of Jesus is found in his empty tomb. He overcomes all power, spiritual and political. He conquered death and sin. He removes guilt and shame. He joins us together as a family under his cross. He transforms our lives. (coughs) Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian who lived and taught and pastored in Nazi Germany. He was executed in the final days of World War II on the specific orders of Adolf Hitler. Here's what Bonhoeffer once said. For the great and powerful of this world, there are only two places in which their courage fails them, of which they are afraid deep down in their souls, from which they shy away. These are the manger and the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a very, very different type of king. Christmas is a season of disruption and challenge. Matthew tells us that all of Jerusalem was disturbed at the news of Jesus' birth. The birth of any child disrupts us. We know that the birth of Jesus disrupts even more. Christmas is more than just being about sweet baby Jesus away in the manger, no crying he makes. This Jesus born in a manger, crucified on a cross, is king. And he makes demands on our lives. Jesus, our king, calls for our allegiance. He calls us to give our lives to him and to follow him and we must choose if we are going to follow him or not. Warning, you have to know, and you do know, that being a disciple of Jesus is hard. It disrupts our lives to the very core. That is the hard, tough message of Christmas and of our faith. Here is one of the ways that uh, this hard life of being a follower of Jesus uh, is laid out by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2. Here's what Paul writes Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus calls us to empty ourselves for others, to put others first, to be servants of Jesus, to to be servants of Jesus and servants towards each other. The Jesus way of power is so contrary to the way that we think. It is so unlikely in Washington. It is so unlikely in corporate America and Frank, Frankly it is unlikely and hard in our lives too often. The power of the king comes through the manger. The power of the king comes through stooping. The power of the king comes through death on a cross. Too often we build our lives on competition and on winning. We don't call it power but we want to be first. We want fame and fortune and influence and recognition. We want the upper hand. We say my way, serve me, recognize me, honor me. Jesus the King calls us to live a humbled life before each other. His rule is built on love. It is an upside down kingdom. In the Jesus way, we give up control and we put others first. In the Jesus way, we become servants of each other. In the Jesus way, we bear one another's burdens. In the Jesus way, we wash each other's feet. It is the way of weakness. It is the way of letting go. Jesus, the king, calls us to live a different life, the sort of life that he demonstrated, the sort of life that took him all the way to the cross. This type of life disrupts our lives. He calls us to love. The amazing good news of Christmas is that this king who makes such difficult, impossible demands upon our lives is the one who promises to change and to transform our lives from the inside out. He is the one who makes our hearts different. These hearts of ours that are so often turned inward, he transforms us so that our hearts might face outwards towards other people. 1 John four nineteen: we love each other because he first loved us. Jesus gives us that power to live a different type of life. This promise of transformation changes everything for us. It changes our marriages, it changes our families, it changes our friendships, it changes our relationships at work, at school. It changes our lives and our neighborhoods. It changes our church. This baby born in Bethlehem, feared by a king, worshipped by shepherds and magi, changes our lives and disrupts our lives. It's cradle and cross. This Jesus is the one who calls us to a brand new allegiance. King Jesus is Lord. He calls us to a new way of living. He calls us to self-giving love. This morning we have the great joy of celebrating the Lord's Supper. Jesus, who was God, became a human being, emptied himself, entered into this world as a baby, lived among us, taught among us, healed among us, and then died on a cross. It is this Jesus who invites us to this table to share a meal with him, to share this meal together, all of us together, our brothers and sisters. We say, oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. We come to this table to receive and rejoice in the new life that Jesus gives. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in the manger and on your cross, we see the incredible... Love that you have for us. Love that takes away sin and shame and guilt. Love that transforms our lives and transforms our world. Will you meet with us here at this table in just a few moments? Will you give us new desires to follow after you with our whole heart? Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our waywardness. Forgive us for all the things that we have done that we shouldn't have done and those things we've left undone that we might have done. We come before you, our king of the manger and king on the cross. We give you our life. formed in us in a new way. We pray this in your name.